Shut up and sit down. Wish away the bad feelings. Wish away the bad feelings. Welcome to another episode of the Super Movie Studies Podcast, a show about comic book movies approached from every angle and a community of nerds discussing how fiction relates to non-fiction. I'm your comic book culture host, Michael Maurer, joined by the movie maestro. The James Schuyler Hutzma. And the scientific scholar. Ben Anderson. Or Benjamin. Or whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, SMSP is your premier movie discussion podcast. Every week we continue our journey exploring our favorite subject, superhero movies. Every fan sees the movie differently, so we gather some amateur experts to discuss it. Whether it's comic books, music, science, or massive disappointment, SMSP talks about it all in this week's episode. Injection you got. It's a nanite explosive. It's the size of a rice grain, but it's powerful as a hand grenade. You disobey me, you die. You try to escape, you die. You otherwise irritate or vex me, and guess what? You die. I'm known to be quite vexing. I'm just forewarning you. Ladies, shut up! This is the deal. You're going somewhere very bad to do something that'll get you killed. But until that happens, you're my problem. So was that like a, a pep talk? Yeah, that was a pep talk. Grab what you need for a fight. We're wheels up in 10. You might want to work on your team motivation thing. You heard of Phil Jackson? Yeah. He's like the gold standard. Okay? Triangle, bitch. Study. Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. And you there will be spoilers. It's not Kanye West. It's not Rick James. Mike you tr- You're thinking, oh, okay. I don't know why I thought of those two people first. I, uh, <laughs> they're very different. I don't know if you were trying to, like, affiliate this movie with a rapper of our generation. You know, I'm uh, just imagining how Mike Tyson would say Suicide Squad. Okay. Uh, Suicide Squad. Uh, and, but if you had to affiliate this movie to a rapper, what would you go with? And you can't. Common was in the movie, so he does not count. So was Will Smith. Will Smith doesn't count either. Um, maybe like Akon. I might no, go with T-Pain. No, no, no. This is Nicki Minaj. Oh, this is 100% Nicki Minaj. This is a Nicki Minaj Shoot. movie because there's little, there's like glimpses of greatness. Yes. Ruined in editing. <laughs> and then it's just exploitative for kind of no reason. And you're just like, you could be better if you just didn't do that. Just so like, much TNA. One great verse on Monster by Kanye <laughs> West featuring Rick Ross, Jay-Z, and Nicki Minaj and Bon Iver. Um, Rick Ross, who has also done a song for this song, or film. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, this is a Nicki Minaj movie. Her, uh, first opinions on Suicide Squad. We'll go with the freshest mind available, and that is Ben, who you, I believe you just walked out of the theater. I, I saw this afternoon. Um... I had a, a break between I finished a class and then I uh, had I tutored this afternoon and I had like a three hour gap and I was like I'll go see Suicide Squad because Michael will be pissed if I don't and like I was talking about it's a Nicki Minaj movie because there's glimpses of greatness and you can tell 
I have a theory. This movie got made and it was supposed to be one thing. And what it was, it was supposed to be that one scene in the bar. That scene, like, really worked for me and I really liked it. Okay. And I feel like the movie was supposed to have more of that feel. Like a, a darker, more philosophical feel mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. And then Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers did this, right? Oh, definitely. Okay. It, yeah. They were like, oh, shit. Deadpool and Guardians of the Galaxy made a ton of money for being funny and having anti-heroes. So we got to make this funny. So they marketed it as something funny, and then we're like, oh, shit. We should probably make the movie into that. And so they edited it really poorly, and I hated the first two-thirds of it. Oh, the first two-thirds? I'll I'll save my resentment. I hated the first two-thirds, and then there was the scene in the bar that I loved, and then the rest of it was just dumb. I kind of hated this movie, but I could see how it could have been great. Popcorn. Michael, you sound like you have opinions. (sighs) Okay. Here's a little story. This is going to take a while. Um, So... Actually, Skyward, go first for me, all right, please, because I'm going to take a little bit, and I'm going to ask for your help on my bit as well. So Popcorn Skyward, passing that off right away. Oh, okay, then. Um, Suicide Squad doesn't make me sad. It makes me mad about what happened with this movie, what it ultimately was, and what it could have been. Yes, there's so many glimmers of you know, how it could have gone right. It should have gone right. Um, the cast is great. I love basically everyone in it, even if most of their characters just are completely wasted or they're in name alone. Um, Killer Croc. Oh, God, I wanted so much more from Killer Croc, but we were talking earlier. Um, if, you know, this movie had been made as it was intended to and got out there. Like, the worst things we could say about it is, okay, villains are kind of dumb, it's a little racist and sexist, uh, but that's David Ayer, and otherwise, you know, good job. With the version that is released upon <laughs> released upon us, yes, that's the, that's the best way to phrase it, it looks like it was edited by a garbage disposal, and it kind of feels like watching that too. It's so unorganized, nonsensical, not compelling at all. It's, it's like, you know, a poor Wisconsin waitress after a run-in with Ed Gein. Like, it's just, it's in pieces. It's just, just... That's a metaphor. Damn, that was a deep cut. I don't even know where that's from. I can't follow that. Like yeah, I've never been to Wisconsin. I want to see Deadpool. No, not. I want to see Deadshot, Joker, Hollywood Quinn, and Killer Croc as the villains in a well-made Batman movie. All the Batman characters are like you. Really want to see more of them? Just in a movie that isn't so massively disappointing and just wrong on almost every level. Okay, yeah. Popcorn Michael. So this film has a lot of massive hype. Okay, and here's a little story. I was intoxicated, uh, very similar to how I am now. Uh, one night, uh, just, just some nights that happens, and I'm, I'm not an alcoholic. I hope I'm not, at least. 
And <laughs> that's such a funny fucking thing to say. Uh, and Skylar texted me, and he said, I went and saw Suicide Squad, and it's a massive disappointment. And I almost start crying because I care so much about these DC characters that are not getting their their piece of sunshine that they need to, okay? We've seen Man of Steel, which for some reason critics hated, but the fans enjoyed. And then after that, it's followed by Batman vs. Superman, which we're going, oh, there's, there's pieces there. There's Wonder Woman. It's fantastic. And then other parts are just so long and boring. But there's a great question about the existence of Superman in there. They just kind of made the movie about that. It might have been something extraordinary, but it also might have been Superman Returns. Nobody liked that movie, but it had some great lines in it. And then Suicide Squad comes out, and you go, there are these fantastic characters with 30 years of history, 20 years, even three years of history. And you get this partial representation of all of them. And you just want everyone to have a moment in the sun. And it doesn't deliver. And I start to lose it. I do. Because for Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, Bob Kane and Bill Finger, and, 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 and Harry G. Peter and William Marston, we can do better for these characters. I honestly think we can. And they don't need to be marketed for money. They stand for something absolutely beautiful and wonderful. But I just wish, I just wish Warner Brothers figures it out. Because all of the acting in the film is so amazing. It blows my mind. Because they are given some of the most garbage lines I've ever seen in a film. And Will Smith delivers them with such ease. It, it, it is absolutely astounding that he can keep it together. Because I expected him to absolutely sleepwalk through this film. And he comes out being one of the best parts of it. Margot Robbie creates a beautiful portrayal of Harley Quinn because expectations were so high on her, being that it's a, it's a fanboy favorite that has not been seen in live action before. And I think, in all seriousness, Jay Hernandez stole the show as El Diablo. He 100% stole the show. Just El Diablo's entire... I would have watched an entire movie about El Diablo. I won't lie. Because I thought that character was 100% beautiful from start to finish. And I was just... I wanted to see more of that. And of course they got rid of him. I want to see... I want to see the Joker and Harley Quinn movie and the Deadshot movie and the Killer Croc movie and the El Diablo movie that had to go before this so that we'd know who these characters are and have a reason to care. I don't want to <laughs> jump in. I don't want to... You can't make the Avengers without making Thor, Captain America, Iron Man, Iron Man 2. No, I, you know? I, I disagree with that to a point of... Harley Quinn might have been too big 
to throw in. Man, no, I, I still disagree with that. You could have had Suicide Squad, but you had to cut out some of the characters. You had to cut out Katana. What? Oh, yeah. Katana had to go. She had no reason to be there. Um, you Enchantress. Almost had to cut out. Enchantress is a is an original member of the team, so my heart like feels for her. But making her the central villain, yes, do without. Um, but she still could have been part of the team. Killer Croc, I think, should have been gone. I don't think he should. Have. I I I appreciate everything Anuwale did with the character. Um, and I totally just I'm a, a, appalled by the blatant racism involved with the character. Oh my God! He wishes for B B E T. Fuck you, Warner Brothers. That is oh, bullshit. Yeah. No, did, did get throw David Ayer under the bus for that because his material has always been really broadly you know, just stereotypes left and right, so... Especially when it comes to choco, cholo culture. Ugh. That made me so mad. Just absolutely furious. Killer Croc is a gangler, or whatever you want him to be, just not a black stereotype, okay? He can be so much more than that. I, I mean, you can adapt that character in a hundred different ways that don't involve pushing the African American, just the you know Black Lives Matter progress, whatever movement you fall behind, NAACP backwards three steps because his one wish is BET in his cell. Fuck you. Okay. So fucked up. Yeah, I was infuriated with that. Oh, sorry. I was I was too bored to get mad at this movie, but now I'm like, yeah, that's really fucked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly. <sighs> There's just so much that could have gone right. Heist film. I, I have to say this as well. When the sky portal becomes a, a piece of the film, right? The same exact thing that they did in Avengers in uh what am I what was a recent superhero movie that involved the sky portal? That opened up and, and killed Fantastic a bunch. Fantastic Four. Thank you. Fantastic Four. Uh, is is why why is this a Suicide Squad problem? It's not. Not at all a Suicide Squad problem. This is not something villains give a shit about. How, uh, how is Harley Quinn with a baseball bat gonna help kill a god? Yes. So, and to deduce this. Say none of the Justice League are active, um, like before WB starts. They're in extended universe. Fine, but we clearly see Batman used to be active. Okay, they're in Midway City. Say he didn't hear about it, and this event takes place over three days. They said that it takes place over three days. That makes no sense, but it does uh, for them. Fine, whatever. Okay, Batman doesn't really hear about it, whatever, and he can't get there within three days. Boy, He's busy doing something else. Boy, if only there was a super fast character that they <laughs> flashed to in the movie. Yes! Flash is active! Okay? He took down Captain Boomerang. Why is the Flash not there? I don't understand that. Maybe it'll explain to me. Aquaman? Not his problem. 
Wonder Woman, she's trying to be retired, okay? And Superman is dead? Whatever. But Flash is active. Why is the Flash not there solving this problem? This is not a Suicide Squad problem. Heist film. They're involved in covert operations. And they fuck it up. That's their thing. Got it. This movie just had a really terrible plot, a really terrible script, really terrible editing, a stellar cast, beautiful acting, and they couldn't keep it together. And it makes me so disillusioned about the future of DC characters because I want so much for them because they've given me so much. I just want to help any way I can. <laughs> it's it's weird. The DC characters are so much more compelling, even when they're just shittily done, than most Marvel characters. But you just want to be like, hey, what are these characters going to be like when they actually have some competency in what is being made? A hundred percent, exactly. But I'm done with first opinion. Um, I hope you've recorded that rant. <laughs> you're, you're recording. Yeah, I... Uh... Oh, also, side note, I heard the Joker is in this movie, but I have yet oh, to see Oh, yeah, him. he shows up for a couple scenes. I, I don't want to even mention the Joker, not because I have disrespect for Jared Leto's performance, but mostly because... There's I just... He was, he was a marketing ploy, okay? I get oh, it. This, this whole movie was a marketing ploy. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Oh, well, it could have been so much more, but to throw in the Joker is a marketing ploy because he doesn't really need to be there, and that's, that's fine. I would have totally accepted a shoehorn Joker for a little bit. I get it. All right, have everybody... Him, have him make a cameo yeah. as, like, person, like when he bursts in and scoops Harley Quinn out of Arkham Asylum. <laughs> Yeah. And he's like, eh. <laughs> I totally, yeah, I would have 100% accepted it. the Joker effectively in this film as, like, to build hype for uh, Harley Quinn and Joker versus Batman. Mm-hmm. Batman 2, Electric Boogaloo. Thank you. A Joker Boogaloo. Uh, but that's all I got for a minute. Let's go to money, all right? Let's Joker talk a little two. bit more details. Batman 2, Pig in the City. A production budget of $175 million. You have a film about antiheroes, and you give it that much money? A lot of expectations. Yeah, well, guess what? It's uh, it's estimated to be quite a bit more of that after this summer's uh, marketing campaign. Estimated anywhere between 250 and 300 when it's all said and done. Um, at the time of this recording... Uh, movie still in theaters, as we alluded to, the fact that Ben was the only one in the theater who saw it, which kind of makes me happy, not because you had to go see it alone, but that people... There, 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 were, there was a dude sitting behind me, and then about two minutes after it started, like a trio of like college girls walked in. But at the time of this recording, Suicide Squad has brought in $269 million in the U.S. Hey. Hey. Add on to that Three hundred and thirteen million from the rest of the world to bring it to five hundred and eighty-two million. 
and that's after roughly three weekends in theaters. Damn. It has done quite well for itself, especially when you rewind back to June and July and people were thinking, oh, yeah, you know, it'll open at maybe like $75 million. I don't know. Well, we, I predicted that it would make that sweet Ant-Man money, and it kind of jumped over the board on that. Oh, yeah, we were in, – back in our predictions, we were all like, yeah, Suicide Squad, Doctor Strange, they're not going to make so much. Yeah. Well, Doctor Strange is going to make money because it's got the Marvel brand. Yeah, it is. That's not a question. And Ben, 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 Ben Volio, Cumbers. Cabbage Patch. There you go. Uh, 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 Benadryl Cabbage Patch. There you go. <laughs> anyway, the point is we were, we were wrong. We were so wrong. Uh, Suicide Squad has the biggest opening weekend in August, for an August release. At Ever? Ever at one hundred and thirty-three million dollars. That is a few million more than uh, Deadpool's one hundred thirty-three, hundred thirty-some million in uh, February, and that's a lot bigger than X-Men Apocalypse's sixty-some million in May. Um, it spent three weekends at the number one spot. Uh, it had great Monday and Tuesday showings after its opening weekend. I believe it set some kind of record there. But it also had a big drop-off in its second week, just like another movie in the DC Universe recently, Batman vs. Superman. Let's make a prediction of where it's going to end up. It'll definitely get close to 300 mil in the U.S. and probably somewhere around 700 mil worldwide by the time this is all said and done. So... Okay. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, I'll take it. Cool. All right. No, it's gonna it's gonna start losing money. Like those, <laughs> what like what was it? Three hundred thirteen million foreign gross. That's gonna be below three hundred by next week. <laughs> well, what's gonna happen is that one guy who sued the film because the Joker was barely in it for false advertising. More people are gonna do that eventually. There's yeah, one class action lawsuit. I'm yes. gonna. Everyone who saw who saw this movie is gonna get twenty thousand dollars. That'd be great. That'd be worth right. That'd be worth it then. Bullshit. Yeah. I mean, twenty thousand dollars will buy you exactly one hamburger because it's actually. All right. Comic books. Yes. Okay, we got a lot of comic book characters. I'm gonna need some help here, guys, because they they introduced a lot of characters we had never seen before, and I'm gonna give you as much condensed information as I can about every character so that you feel informed about their involvement in the film. Okay? So you know who they are so that this movie doesn't confuse you because it doesn't tell you who they are. All right, let's jam. Slipknot. Slipknot. Fury of Firestorm, number 28, first appearance, 1984. Joey Cavalieri and Jerry Conway and Raphael Kayanan. Okay, he is not the man who can climb anything. That's not his thing but the man who can tie anything. He's a mercenary who uses ropes to kill, strangle, and entwine his victims. But his only famous moment is when he blows his arm off when Captain Boomerang trips him, tricks him into running away from the Suicide Squad. Which is exactly what happens in the movie. Yeah, perfect betrayal. The absolute perfect character 
to have his head blown off to prove that the bombs are real. Got it? Good. Next. Uh, Katana. Katana. The Brave and the Bold, number 200, 1983. Mike Barr, Jim Apero. Tatsu Yamashiro. Just a typical Japanese maiden trained in martial arts. She had two brothers. They weren't her brothers. Sorry. Uh, Maseo and Takio, who fought for her love. Thank you for clarifying that. Yes. Uh, having picked Maseo over Takio, she and him live a happy life, raising two children. But Takio never got over it. He joined, he joined the Yakuza shortly after that and started planning a real lover scorn. Okay? First step, rise into the ranks of the Yakuza. Second, indulge in vices of exotic and mystical weaponry by attaining General Kanz's ancient dual katanas that are rumored to absorb the souls of those it slays. Step three, go to Maseo and Tatsu's house. Challenge Maseo to a duel over the love of Tatsu, because that totally makes sense. Step four, distract Maseo by burning his house down with his children in it, and lover scorn achieved. Step five, lose the soul taker blade to Tatsu in a fight, and she kills you. Having nothing left, Tatsu hones her martial skills before becoming a vigilante in America. Katana. Uh, one second. So, uh, Maseo definitely kills Tatsu. I'm sorry. Uh, Takio definitely kills Maseo with the blade. So her husband is trapped in the blade. The one line they alluded to that fact earlier. That's a thing. But they don't, like, explain the backstory behind it. The one <laughs> or, worthwhile thing she had to do in the movie. Like, uh, ten seconds worth. Yeah, and she had a mystical blade that would save them in the end. Whatever. Uh, Killer Croc. Thank you. Batman, number 358. This is full appearance, not cameo. 1983, Jerry Conway and Gene Colan. Waylon Jones was born with a severe case of atavism. At atavism? Atavism. I think it's atavism. atavism. Thank you. Which is evolution doing a little back shuffle and giving you traits that got weeded out of the gene pool centuries ago. Uh, in Wayland's case, he inherited uh, old grandpappy crocodile's traits with hardened reptilian skin, a thicker, larger physique, and really sharp teeth. Uh, instead of using this to become a modern marvel of biology, he eats people. Great. As one does. As, as as I would, if I were a crocodile man. <laughs> Starting out under the care of an abusive, alcoholic aunt uh, is a really good upbringing, by the way. It's not. It's not. <laughs> but murdering her sort of takes it in the wrong direction as well. After that, he moves to Gotham and makes a move to become its next crime kingpin. Stopped by Batman, naturally. What a shocker. Shows up... 
here in the movie, or I'm sorry, shows up here and there and continues to evolve in a bestial way till he becomes more crocodile than man. Uh, but in the new 52, he develops a more Gollum-esque demeanor because he befriends a little girl and becomes her watchful guardian from the sewers. Two really good uh, interpretations of Killer Croc are from the animated series and from the Arkham games. Captain Boomerang. Thank you. Flash, number 117. 1960 is an old-ass character. John Broom and Carmine Infantino. Man, those guys made a lot of Flash characters. George Digger Harkness is an asshole. Born in Australia to an American father who was never around, uh, Digger got really into making his own boomerangs. He got hired by a toy company to be a performer and would do shows where he harnessed his boomerang skills. Kind of a dream job if you think about it. But people mocked him, and instead of taking that in stride, he decided to use boomerangs to commit crime. The Flash came to stop him, and Digger nearly killed the Flash by strapping him to a giant boomerang that he launched into space. <laughs> In real life, that wouldn't work. <laughs> because the boomerang would fall back to Earth as a meteorite. Uh, it fell back into the ocean. You're absolutely right. But Flash escaped before it did that by vibrating out of his bonds and took Harkness to jail. That makes them, of course, forever enemies. Digger would also become a frequent member of the Flash's rogues before being scooped into the Suicide Squad, where he could actually kick ass, surprisingly. Uh, but he was a dick to everyone, so no one liked him. Examples being, he got a couple of team members killed, and earlier I mentioned that he blew Slipknot's arm off. So he, he's a dick. Like he is in this movie. Mm-hmm. What a faithful portrayal of all these characters. <laughs> Shit. In that one very limited aspect, Rick Flagg Jr. Rick Flagg Jr. DC Comic presents number 77, 1985, John Ostrander and Luke McDonald. John Ostrander, by the way, the genius behind the Suicide Squad comic book that was released in the 80s during you know the onset of the Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen, where anti-heroes became such a big deal in comic books. And you created this really fun and interesting series. Great read. I highly suggest it. Also a big defender of this movie, apparently. Yes. Rick Flagg Sr. was the only surviving member of the first Suicide Squadron, which was a World War II platoon. After the war, he had a son, Richard Rogers Flagg Jr. Uh, Jr. grew up being just like his dad with a decorated military career and eventually replaced his pops as head of the Suicide Squad, still at the time a public military outfit with no supervillains. Well, little Ricky botched his first mission as team leader, leaving two of his teammates for dead after they fell down a crevasse but one actually survived, so that's kind of, it makes you look really bad when you sort of ditch a guy like that. Uh, the squad was disbanded after that until Amanda Waller restarted it, now as a covert supervillain op. Rick Flagg Jr. was brought back.
back to lead the team. Even though he had some doubts of his own leadership and resented the fact that he was working with supervillains, hated working next to Deadshot, by the way, his overwhelming sense of duty always made him put the team first and stick his neck out for crooks. So he's constantly making amends for his first mission that really went awry. So it's kind of a weird, twisted story that has a sweet idea at, in, in the middle of it. Enchantress. Thank you. Enchantress, Strange Adventures, number 187, 1966, Bob Harney, Howard Purcell. Uh, I'm going to quote this exactly from Wikipedia because I couldn't do this better in any way, shape, or form. Freelance artist June Moon is invited to a costume party at an old castle and stumbles upon a secret chamber where an unknown magical being empowers her to fight an evil presence in the castle. Saying the words, the Enchantress, her appearance changes from blonde-haired June to black-haired and costumed Enchantress and defeats a Minotaur creature from a tapestry. It's 1960s, whatever. So basically, the Enchantress can pretty much do anything with magic. And her power is only kept in check by June's personality. She's kind of like the Witchy Hulk, in that the more stressed out she gets, the easier it is for the Enchantress to take over. Unlike the movie, there is no Agent Heart thing or a relationship between her and Rick Flagg in the comics. Everyone, my favorite character in this movie, El Diablo. El Diablo third. This is the third El Diablo. Uh, Chato Santana. Chato, is that right? Uh, you tell me, Gringo. Yes. Well, he's he, okay. He, they say it in the movie, and I don't remember if they pronounce it, it Chato or Tieto or something like that. Chato. All right, Chato Santana premiered in El Diablo number one, two thousand eight. Pretty recent. Uh, Jai Nitz and Phil Hester. So Chato joined the Los Reyes Locos street gang at a young age and quickly moved up the ranks due to his ruthlessness and cunning. That's Spanish for the crazy kings, by the way, or the mad kings. Bravo. All right, I'll take that. Uh, He was betrayed by his second command, which ended with him being paralyzed and comatose in a hospital bed. Oddly enough, he was lying right next to the first El Diablo, Lazarus Lane. While unconscious, he met Lane in the spirit world, where old Lazzy passed the curse of the El El Diablo onto Santana. The El Diablo curse, by the way, is a fiery vengeance spirit that ties itself to your soul and grants you pyrokinetic powers and the ability to see the spirit world. So kind of like DC's answer to Ghost Rider, a little bit but with whips instead of chains and no motorcycle. So Chacho uses this new ability to seek revenge uh, on the second-in-command that scorned him uh, and burned down the complex that housed his betrayer. Turns out there were a bunch of innocent civilians in that building, go figure, and while seeing the charred remains of dead women and children, he immediately felt a bunch of regret and turned himself in. 
So similar to the movie, but not as personal. In the New 52, by the way, which takes place in 2011 when they revamped all the comic books of the DC Universe, uh, El Diablo ends up on the Suicide Squad where he doesn't really get along because he ties a lot of his acts of crime to divinity and believes himself to be God's warrior of justice and revenge. Uh, Harley Quinn. All right. Last character, Harley Quinn, premiered in Batman the Animated Series episode Joker's Favor. In oh, 19- yeah. <laughs> Did not premiere in a comic book, premiered in the television show in 1992, Paul Dini and Bruce Tim. <sighs> Harley Quinn, all right? You want to know about Harley Quinn, read Mad Love. All right, by Paul Dini and Bruce Tim again. Or watch the episode Mad Love from Batman, the new Batman Adventures. I'm not going to spend ten minutes explaining Harley Quinn's story to you because she's very involved in the books. She's a fanboy favorite. And someone needs to explain the appeal of Harley Quinn to me, okay? Because I get that she's a wonderfully diverse and just... Uh, uh, just a three-dimensional character, a lot of stuff going on, but I don't understand why a bunch of feminists and, and or what, I don't know, what have you, just, like, it's one of the most common things you see at cosplaying and the excuse to dress up as Harley Quinn events. And she's, um, she's a, a, a codependent, abusive, like she's abused girlfriend of the Joker, I don't know why you want to idolize or be. Like, why wouldn't you, wouldn't wouldn't you rather be Wonder Woman? I mean, Wonder Woman's like my second favorite combo character of all time. She's just a beautiful picture of <laughs> actual feminism. Somebody okay. talk to me about Harley Quinn. Okay, uh, she speaks her mind. Okay, <laughs> she tells it how it really is. Okay, She's Donald thing. Trump. <laughs> okay, one thing. People it's like good to Trump, be bad. Right? People like that. Okay. It's People good like to be bad. Being good to be bad. <gasps> Second thing, which is the more unexcusable thing, this movie actually makes her and the Joker's relationship look good. Like, the worst thing he does to her is just give her a little zappy zap, and it's like, you can go in the acid bath if you want. That's up to you. And it's like this whole lovey-dovey, consensual, just bullshit when we know it's so much worse than that, and it makes it look acceptable when it's... Not. He beats her. He treats her like trash, and she keeps coming back to Mr. J, her pudding. And I'm just, uh, uh, I'm fine with Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy is a very independent character. She cares a lot about the environment. And she's also a very sexy character, so I get why a lot of women want to feel empowered by dressing up like Poison Ivy. But Harley Quinn, I get she's a very diverse, wonderful character to be involved in comics, but to become this this weird just pedestal that she has been put upon, I don't get it one bit. Like her story is super tragic. Like yes, one, one thing Batman the animated series is just immensely great about is taking the villains and giving them the tragic, you know, spin. Obviously, Harley Quinn has the whole abusive relationship; she just can't leave, and that actually becomes even more compelling the older you get. Like, when you're a kid, it's like, oh, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have characters like Mr. Freeze, who lost his wife, or Two-Face, uh, who... Yeah. Nora. Nora. <laughs> no, but that's it's, it's not something you want to 
idolize, which is really strange. It's disturbing in a little way. But what I'm I'm worried about is the fact that this movie makes it into something that you know, it, oh, it doesn't seem so bad. Like, like they really love each other. It's like, oh my god, you no, cut that's the tragic codependency. You like, cut out, you uh, cut out the whole meat of this story. No, okay, so so Madla, uh, I'll, I'll fine, I'll subject myself to portraying this. Joker manipulates her into loving him, and she's like obsessed with him forever. And no matter how much he beats her and abuses her, she keeps coming back. That is Harley Quinn in the comics. Okay. Um, the ice show. He said it was the circus. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but in the movie, it shows them both, like Joker also relying on Harley's love. Okay? Like, he can't function unless Harley Quinn is at his side. He does everything in his power to get her back, and she does everything in her power to be with him. Okay? That is a new level of codependent, fucked up, self-destructive behavior that we can't... That we can show, but it's so weird that people have have has has transformed it into a world of that's idealistic love. No, it isn't. Get a hold of yourself, people. As we are recording this, um, I have a t- I have Facebook open on another tab, um, just because it was open before, and I looked over and trending right now is there like. Images are arising and like clips of scenes that were cut showing that side of Harley oh, Quinn yeah. and Joker's relationship. Oh, yeah, that helicopter scene was supposed to end with him throwing her out of it after an argument. Yeah. That Stop. sounds like them. Stop idolizing Harley Quinn, okay? She's definitely a character that deserves to be in comics. She's well rounded, well, not well rounded, but, but like, she's interesting. I get it. But I don't – there's a certain obsession with it, with her between men and women of just like this is the character I want to be. Harley Quinn is not someone you want to be. You don't want to be Captain Boomerang. Okay. <laughs> okay. Here's, here's the thing I understand. Good thing. Um, New 52 Harley supposedly um, follows her you know, after Joker, not – not being so codependent on him, definitely a lot more over-sexualized than her original interpretation. But they yeah. get away from that codependence thing. The movie does the worst part of both things. It does the codependence and the over-sexualized. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. So she's just fanboy fodder at this point. And it, it, again, I would get back to <laughs> me just being sickened to my core and very upset. And just <laughs> it hurts me so much. That we're not getting any of it. As much as the obnoxious, out of place soundtrack, though. Oh, segue into music. Take it away, Sky Guy. God damn it. (laughs) Okay. Music for Suicide Squad is done by no less than 30 pop artists. Excuse me. No, actually, the. uh, (laughs) Actually. Actually, the score is done by a man named Stephen Price, who actually has not been on this podcast yet, despite the fact that he's done such great film scores as Gravity, for which he won the Oscar a couple years back, Fury, the tank movie with Brad Pitt that was also a David Ayer film, which is how they shacked up, and uh, The World's End by 
Edgar Wright. So with that kind of caliber of a composer, you'd think you're in for a sound that could be comparable to just the great stuff that Hans Zimmer's done so far with the DCEU. And it's, it's, it's serviceable. It's serviceable stuff. I mean, you can tell that their interest with this movie lied in just getting as many obnoxious goddamn pop songs in and just pushing the score back as far as they could. But with that in mind, I think Stephen Price does a commendable job with a, a role that was severely downgraded in in favor of just a bunch of crap. Anyway, first track I have on the docket is Task Force X, which is kind of the de facto sound of Suicide Squad. Let's listen to what he came up with. My favorite comment on the YouTube video for this is R.I.P. Marvel. (laughs) (sighs) DC fans are always keeping it real, aren't they? They remind me of Sonic fans. Are Sonic fans really like this, too? Sonic fans are pretty, like, obnoxious. Like Sonic the Hedgehog? Like, death threats obnoxious? Like, don't tell me this game's bad. It's good. It's got Sonic. Oh, so Sonic the Hedgehog. (laughs) Well... Sonic fans, no. well, I'll, I'll talk about Sonic fans another time, maybe, but they, <laughs> they have some interesting views on how good the Sonic games actually are. Oh, man. I, I Yeah, it's it's tough to be a fan of DC right now, especially when you go back and forth like me. Like, I still enjoy a lot of Batman vs. Superman, and I was getting ready for this one to come out, and it's like, oh, okay, it's just going to be another one where I have to diverge from most critics, and it's like, nope, it's it's shit. Um, I was so, like, the when they had, like, 12 goddamn pop songs playing, I was like, is this placeholder music? Like, is this, like, what they just had there? Being like, okay, we're gonna put real music here eventually, but for now, it's it's, it's, you know, fortunate son. Well, well, the the part of it that always struck me is ta- uh, Suicide Squad sounds like a bunch of cool walking music, right? It uh, does, right? You, you think they're going to do a lot of walk shots where they're just literally just walking down the street row by row and you're going, all right, what song sounds cool with that? And they get to Heathens by 21 Pilots, which I think would be the perfect walk song, but they put it in the credits and I'm like, that's not where that song deserves to go. That song is too good for the credits. Okay, so this movie has two... No, this movie has a bunch of songs that were written for the album. Uh, Like Heathens, you mentioned. There's one by uh, Imagine Dragons and seriously seven other people. Um, And then there's (laughs) Rick Ross and Skrillex's Purple Purple Lamborghini. Lamborghini. Yeah, they push Heathens to the end 
credits, and they bury Purple Lamborghini in the background of that Joker club scene. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? Okay. Um, got on a tangent there a little bit. Um, sound that Stephen Price came up with for Suicide Squad. It's it's your generic kind of uh, orchestra meets heavy metal guitar sound for whenever you need something to sound kind of badass, I guess. Um, whatever. It's it it blends in, I guess. Uh, next track I had on the docket was uh, This Is How I Cut and Run, or That's How I Cut and Run. Excuse me. Big difference. Um, I believe that plays during their first encounter with the random, replaceable CGI enemies. Um, and it's it's named after that, an exchange with Will Smith and uh, Rick Flagg. <laughs> Apparently Rick Flagg doesn't have an actor's name. Uh, but this is a little more fun. It's got kind of a little more playful attitude towards it. Mixes it up a bit while still keeping that same uh, attitude about it. Cue up. are sort of these replacement CGI blobs, right? Yeah, they're, we'll just call them the whatevers. The whatevers. Yeah, so yeah. The, the whatevers show up. The XCOM enemies. Yeah. So the whatevers show up, and they're supposed to create fodder uh, and, and, and entice action scenes for the Suicide Squad to prove their worth. And... But, 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 but the direction of the film doesn't take this extreme, easy opportunity to make the action fun and exciting in diverse and possible ways. Number one, you're right, through the music, that was boring as fuck. Sorry, uh, Stephen Price, but it was, okay? I be- I, I, you won an Academy Award. You can do better than that, and I'm sorry if someone said that your time was cut short. I really am. Uh, but, 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 but when they're fighting, what does Harley Quinn just use a baseball bat two times and Deadshot just shoots guns? Did that, Deadshot's known for shooting guns in crazy ways uh, and bouncing shit off walls and stuff. Killer Croc's known for biting heads off. Why was Captain Boomerang in this film? Because he didn't literally do anything with Boomerangs. <laughs> Seriously drank a beer in the background during that fight. Well, he has boomerangs. Do something cool with them. They're He threw a camera one, and it flew, and then he was like, yep, there's the dude. 
Deadshot could have done that with a bullet. I don't care. <laughs> Rick Flag probably has some sort of military op thing that can do that. A boomerang doesn't fucking do that. Oh. Okay, so sorry to interrupt your tangent for in this tangent worthy movie. I'm but, getting ranty today. I know. But no, it's it's okay. It's worthy of it. Um I can just see Stephen Price in the recording studio watching, you know, the rough footage of this, this fucking just cut up monstrosity of super edits and not at all interesting footage and being like, oh shit, how do I even do this? And like you said, it didn't, it doesn't really make the difference. Whereas I'm going to go back to Hans Zimmer. A lot of the time Hans Zimmer will do uh, films that, you know, have some serious problems, whether whether it be story, direction, whatever. But his music makes the difference and makes it easy to watch. This, it just, it can't make up for that. It's pretty good if you want to throw it on when you're on the treadmill, I will say that from personal experience. But in the context of the movie, it's like, uh, it's it, it's not enough, buddy. You, you're fighting an uphill battle here. Anyway, last track I've got on the docket is, um, well, I don't know. Oh, there we go. Uh, One Bullet is All I Need. And if I recall correctly, this is during the finale, which, as I learned, is the exact same finale as the original Ghostbusters movie. Entice no emotion. God, I'm just shitting on Stephen Price right now. I feel really bad about that. He just he needs a good project that isn't crap. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Gravity, but he was given some leeway to do some awesome stuff with that soundtrack, especially when the main adversary of that movie is silent. Um, <laughs> you know, this one, I just I don't want to shit on it. It's 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 there. It has mm-hmm. some good moments. Um, nothing really stand out. Like you have characters like the Joker, Harley Quinn, Deadshot. You can do great themes with these juicy characters, and it doesn't happen. But that's pretty much in line with the film itself. There are a lot of great things that can happen, and they just biff the shit out of it. Um. <laughs> okay, one of my fuck you moments of this movie was when they did the cliche slow motion throw the bomb shoot the bomb thing at the end and it was like oh god as if this movie couldn't be more ruined well i mean there's a lot to say about the third act just falling apart almost completely killer clock killer killer clock that's funny i Uh, watched the shit out of that movie uh, killer clock got his moment underwater, and that was good. He got his shining piece of the film, and he puts a bomb out, 
that apparently couldn't be reset after two seconds, whatever. And a moment that I did not know happened three days ago. The uh, movie was not clear on that fact. Um, but <laughs> right. Before they ruined that moment with the BET, yes, he had his moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he puts the bomb up, and that kills Incubus, or Enchantress's brother, as well as killing Jay Hernandez, El Diablo, disappointingly, who turned into a weird fire monster. But anyway... Then we get no to the sense. No sense. I thought that was cool. Well, it was it was cool, but you're right. It made no sense. It's both. It's both really cool and made no sense. <laughs> um, and like the the fact that it, it made no sense does not detract from its coolness. Um, and because he has a fire demon inside of him. Okay, just comic books wise. But 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 then we get to the point where now it's time to take out the enchantress. And what do you have to take out the Enchantress with? Deadshot has bullets. Captain Boomerang has boomerangs. Harley Quinn's got a bat. Rick Flag's got a bomb. And I think that's all the character. Oh, Katana's got a magical sword. So that's your dead ringer right there. The magical sword's going to do it. But instead, they use the bomb. And the yeah, magical sword right. at the same time. Why do they need to pull in the Suicide Squad? Just launch a normal bomb. And- yeah them like air 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 carpet bag the shit out of the place yeah Yeah, here's here's a more compelling ending get out of the city before it gets torched instead of taking on a god being the suicide squad there you go well and also jack courtney your 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 bar scene which you love so much ben they say uh, Rick Flag shows up and goes, ah, yes, we're the suicide. Uh, I've cut you guys all loose, all right? I'm so disappointed in withholding information from you because you're criminals, uh, which Katana gets disappointed, disappointed with for some dumb reason. Anyway, uh, but he gets really sad about that, and he says, you're all cut loose. You can do whatever you want, and Jack Courtney leaves. Captain Boomerang leaves, and I'm like, all right, that's a perfect moment. I'm Boomerang. I'll take I it. That made me giggle. Yeah, so that's great. He takes some beers and wa- runs away. Funny. But then he walks back into the scene, and you're like, why is he back? Nobody says anything, and you could have saved that moment with a beautiful garbage line of, oh, I thought you left. I'm Captain Boomerang. I always come back. Would have been great. Nobody said it, though. It wouldn't have been great, but it would have, they would have gotten a chuckle. It would yeah. have made sense, at least. Yeah. It would have been like, oh, that's a shitty line, but at least like you're making an effort to explain why he's still in the movie. Because he's Captain Boomerang. He always comes back. back. And nobody said it. And it's just like, why the fuck are you suddenly back? Uh, Disclaimer, listeners. If they sound like we're implying we can make a better Suicide Squad movie than all of Warner Brothers and David Ayer, we probably can't. We can't. But... When they deliver movies like this, it really makes us think we can. <laughs> it makes us uh, it makes us believe that you're more paid than me for no reason. If, if we had the capacity to make a movie, we could make one better than this. <laughs> I still don't believe that fully, but 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 but. but. Oh, the we, we could at least have a, a more fitting story. And leave it at that. Yeah, I would have been a heist film all the way. I might have, have copied go, Arkham Assault. Have to Rick Flag before the nuclear bomb that's going to destroy the Enchantress goes off. <laughs> See, that's there even better. Or Waller. It's a heist film. It 
more or less makes sense. Yes. And they kill the Enchantress, because Enchantress can die. Of all the characters that can die in this movie, Enchantress is, like, the top of my list. Okay. Done with, are we good with music? <laughs> you know, we're good with music. We turn, you know, just kind of a standard it's their score into another five rants on how awful this movie is. So, yeah, I think we're done. Gonna, and I don't going to listen to, like, pop songs in a row. I, I don't want... To None of which these. really works, so it's like watching Watchmen again. Well, it's like they're so goddamn on the nose. It's it's just it's so distracting. And can we take a, a couple seconds to talk about Heathens? Do you know anything about Heathens oh, and how beautiful of a song that is for this movie? Sure, yeah, Heathens, written by uh, Twenty One Pilots for this movie. Um, it was released a few months before the film came out, and it's actually a really fitting, fun. Uh, quick it's there and it's done pop song i like it i've got it on my itunes um yeah they join uh rick ross and skrillex for purple lamborghini and uh imagine dragons for um sucker for pain um it you know what this if anything this movie brought together some cool modern artists to uh put together a soundtrack and uh, i think heathens is probably one of the best ones on there so we will hear that later yeah all right science time science i have started drinking by the way oh good for you buddy it's an intoxicast a little bit one beer on an empty stomach yeah it's a little bit longer of a podcast too in case you hadn't noticed because there's there's just so much to to bitch about (laughs) there's so much to say Suicide Squad, science baby, hit me. Oh, you want to know how boomerangs fly? Yeah, let's talk about how boomerangs fly, even though we didn't learn about anything boomerang-esque in the movie. Even though we never saw a boomerang thrown properly in this movie. Yeah, totally. They were used more as knives than anything. Yeah. Um, so, boomerangs, curved piece of wood very precisely designed so that um, when you throw it, it goes out and it comes back. And if you throw it properly, it comes back to you um, every time, basically. Okay. Um, Yeah. And uh, the way it works, it's a phenomena called, it has a specific name, gyroscopic precession. So if you spin a top, spin a top. Spinning it. Inception. And, like, it's spinning around, but also, like, it's, like, going around real slowly in the same direction it's spinning. Oh, you you mean as if the top part of the top is moving slower than the bottom part of the top, but both are rotating. So, yeah, if you spin a top, you can kind of see what I mean, but it'll, like, tip off slightly to the side, and it'll be rotating around real fast, Mm -hmm. but then, like, the point on the bottom of the top and the top of the top, like, the top of the top will rotate slowly around the bottom of the top while it's spinning still. And it's exactly the same thing that's going on in a boomerang, except... Instead of, like, the torque between, like, there's an angle between the bottom of the top and the top of the top, 
that's making combined with its angular momentum that's making it process around it's the it's lift and air resistance i think we lost them they really do come back to you if you throw them right okay uh, but do they yeah, hurt if they hit you like the few times we do see captain boomerang throw a boomerang he throws them kind of sidearm mhm you know but actually if you do it that way it's just flop down what you actually want to do is throw it overhand and so it's almost a vertical oh really yeah and okay. then like it'll tilt around the axis it's traveling and come mm -hmm. back to you yeah well, well, it's, well, it's well, exactly well, like you're spinning a top okay and then it comes back to you great but do they hurt if they hit you in the head uh it's a flying piece of wood that's spinning real fast so yes have you ever put your head on a ceiling fan Oh, it hurts like a ceiling fan? It's be spinning, yeah, because you have to have them spinning pretty fast for them to do this. Makes sense. Which is why they're hard to throw. But yeah, if you've clocked your head on a ceiling fan, imagine that, but a bit more solid. Okay. Can you attach an explosive to it? If you could find a way to do that without ruining its aerodynamics, then yeah. Okay. And make them razor sharp as well? Sure. Makes sense. That's Captain I don't know if Boomerang. You can anything with it. Oh, you can cut someone. That's all that counts, really. Because yeah. he cuts people with it. He's you can maybe decapitate a chicken if you threw it really good. Oh, right. Well, he is. <laughs> maybe not Captain decapitate, but Boomerang. certainly like cut its neck and kill it. There you go. He is Captain Boomerang. Yeah. And Captain. There's, there's kind of an urban legend that. Uh, the Aborigines in Australia would use it to hunt. <laughs> cool. Not exactly confirmed. It's definitely it definitely originated in Australia among the Aborigines. Um, whether they used them in hunting, they probably did, but it's not known exactly how. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, can you talk to us about uh, atavism? Atavism. Yes. Atavism. So this this Atavism. is the uh, we alluded to it earlier in the comic book section, uh, but this is what gives Killer Croc his croc, his crocness powers. Um, and basically, it is when traits that disappeared early in our genetic history reappear. Um, so, for example, uh, we have our tailbone, our coccyx. Yes, our our cocks, our sick cocks. Um, no, our, it's a. So we have our tailbone, and uh, that is because my grandpappy was a monkey, um, and so we have we used our you know thousands of years ago had tails, mm -hmm. and we don't anymore. We have genes that suppress the growth of a tail. Right. Yep. If those genes are suppressed, then they're not suppressing the genes that say, hey, don't grow a tail. And um, you can have a tail. Some It's rare, but sometimes you see a baby born with a tail. Okay. It happens. Um, so it's, it's a lot of times, like, vestigial features suddenly appear. Yes. So, for example, snakes don't have legs, but if they have a tabiasm... They do. Oh. Very rarely you'll see hind legs on snakes. Uh, teeth in chickens. Ooh. 
Um, yeah. Or extra, extra I, fins on a fish or, or dolphins. I was going to say a sixth leg or a sixth toe on cats, but that's just probably inbreeding. That's no, that's a different kind of, um, that's a different kind of thing. Uh, color blindness in humans is actually an example of this. Really? Yeah. Um, thousands of years ago, human eyes were different, and then mm-hmm. it was like, nah, change your eyes so you can see better. Yeah, so color blindness is caused by atavism. I'm guessing that's a much more common version of atavism because I know a lot of guys who actually are colorblind. Well, yeah, colorblindness is pretty common in males, pretty rare in females. But it's an example of atavism, atavism. I know, right? we got to get a biologist up in here. Grant should be here for this one. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, it also, like, was used by, quote-unquote, social Darwinists uh-huh. to justify why white people were superior. Mm. So it's kind of like a, ooh, Icky. topic. Sometimes. I so get you. Like, racist people in the 1800s and early 1900s would be like, oh, black people have more primitive traits, therefore white people are better. And, ooh. like, awful, no, 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 no. But this no. is one of the ideas that they, like used to advocate their views, which are just awful. Abhorrent. Okay. <laughs> Abhorrent is the good word I'm searching for. There you go. Any more science for you, Ben? I think that's all I got for now. Suicide Squad didn't really give you a lot to work with. I understand sky portals and the like. Not, soul, not so much. Soul-taking katanas and really absurd... Oh, do bullets ricochet? And can you predict a ricochet? You can predict a ricochet... Yes. Really? So Deadshot's ability to bounce bullets off things is not that unfounded. Assuming it's a perfectly elastic collision. Uh-huh. Which no collision is, but you can approximate it. But if it's a perfectly elastic collision, yes, there are very very simple geometric laws that let you predict the trajectory of your bullet. That is actually amazing to think about. Perhaps we will revisit that topic uh, because I kind of want to learn more about it, and I know you're not prepped. Well, basically, long story short, if you have an elastic collision and you're bouncing off a wall, the incoming angle will be the same as the outgoing angle. It's like bouncing a ball off a billiard board or Mm. off the side of a billiards table. Okay. The angle you shoot the ball at the wall Mm-hmm. the same angle it forms when it bounces away. Okay, so I guess... Do that in three-dimensional space and be dead shot so you know it's not perfectly elastic and you have all these variables that he was talking about at the end when you're predicting your shot, and yeah. Yeah. Cool. I want more of that. Rick Flagg was a bit too cozy with the idea of teaching his daughter how to shoot a bullet. <laughs> you mean dead shot. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so there you go. Bonus science topic. <laughs> okay. Uh, no fun facts tonight. I was trying to get nope. Twitter Tom on tonight, but he was not available, unfortunately, because I heard Adewale had researched cannibalism um, and crocodile movements for his role. 
Oh yeah, he watched videos of people being devoured by crocodiles for his role. Yeah, like he did all this research and then, you know, BET, and you're like, fuck you. So let's let's continue drinking then, I guess? <laughs> yeah, more and... Do you want, do you want drinking game rules? I might opt out of these, because I'm just like, I'm exhausted from... Oh, I got it. Okay, drink, have a drink every time they play a pop song that doesn't fit with what's going on on screen. And you'll have, like, eight drinks in about 20 minutes. First half is going to be rough. It's going to be really rough. Drink every time a woman gets punched in the face, because apparently that's funny and supposed to be laughed at. Was that a joke? I was like, that's... Who the, was it? Is it Slipknot? Pe- Slipknot. People laugh their asses off at that, and I'm like, what the hell? What when, the I, when I was in the theater, there were, like, six of us in there. No one huh. laughed at anything. Good. Sorry. Where did I cut off? Uh, Slipknot punched a woman in the face, and apparently that was supposed to be a joke. Ooh, Slipknot was in the movie? Yeah. Oh, uh, speaking of which, drink if you spot the Joker. I didn't spot him, but... Oh, he, he shows up uh, four times. Oh, there you go. I counted, actually. There's four scenes of the Joker. I, uh, I missed them all. I missed them all. <laughs> Uh, drink your sorrows away with the characters in that great bar scene. Which is actually a good scene. It yeah. is actually a good scene. It was, it was not touched by the studio hacks. Speaking of which, drink every time you're possessed into screaming, Fuck you, Warner Brothers president Kevin Chuzhara! Out of <laughs> just some weird spiritual possession, I don't know. Oh boy, I've already drank four times for that. Uh, uh, I mean, drink every time you wonder Katana is there. Um, why is she there? Substitute Enchantress, uh, Boomerang, anyone. Do do a Saki bomb when Slipknot blows up. Ha! Nice. (laughs) Or when Katana does everything of importance in the movie. Right. Um, this one's going to be a little tougher. Drink while imitating one of those blow-ups, floaty guys, uh, whenever there's an the enchanter scene. The wacky inflatable arm flailing tube man. There you go. tube man, thank you. Yes, yes, it's great. <laughs> there's one of those, like, across the street from my house. It's great. You have to drink while doing that dance, okay? And That's while she's doing, doing it. Yep, mm-hmm. That's exactly how, how you have to do it. And you're deep into the film at that point, so it's going to be a struggle. Oh, yeah, you're, you're going to fall on your ass at least once. At least <laughs> pour, pour whole milk into a glass of vodka and let it sit for about a minute and then drink it during the scene when Harley Quinn and Joker jump into the vat of... Oh. <laughs> That's so good. I'm so glad you came up with that on the spot. <laughs> That's like drinking like a like a white Russian that has unmixed itself. Yeah, that's like a white Russian that's curdled. Exactly. Well, like with not enough Kahlua, so it's not quite brown. It's more cream and vodka than anything else. It's like a beige, beige Russian. Uh, side note, the uh, theater in my neighborhood does like specialty drinks for movies that come out, and one of their drinks is the Joker. It's like a lot of pineapple, mango, Svetka. <laughs> uh, it's it's just gross looking. 
<laughs> just like this movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, unless you guys finish your finish your drink when you get depressed about the bleak future of DC movies, and you think to yourself, Wonder Woman better be good. I, I after getting back from this movie, I just I sat on the porch and stared out into space for a good half hour, just contemplating the universe and if DC characters will ever get a good fair shake. <sighs> Batman seems to be doing pretty well for himself. I gotta say, Batman, Batman was part of this movie. Batman was. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was gonna say Batman was one of the worst parts of this movie, uh, but. I, I still really enjoy Ben Affleck as Batman, yes. Yeah, I, I can't get over how perfect Ben Affleck is for Batman. I, I want to see him in every DC movie going forward. Mm-hmm. And so he gets like such such a bad rep for doing such a good job. <laughs> Other than Hans Zimmer, he is like consistently the best thing about BVS. Mm-hmm. And and this is coming, you know, three years after everyone just shit themselves over the casting decision. Hashtag in Godot we trust. Gal Gadot Wonder Woman will bring back DC's credibility in film universe making. No. We have a it's dissent. Not be good. Shut up. I so believe in Wonder Woman. My top three favorite superheroes of all time. Number one, Superman. Number two, Wonder Woman. Number three, Animal Man. I am so, like, not predicting an Animal Man movie to come anytime soon. But Wonder Woman, it's long overdue, and I just, I need it to be good. Okay. I'm, glad, I'm glad you reiterated Animal Man there, because there was a computer glitch on my end, and it just came out sounding like Anal Man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, that's enough for tonight, I think. I think we're yeah. good on the onset of anal man. Uh, some guy who's just like really particular about a lot of things. Anyway, uh, yes. <laughs> that yes, kind yeah. of anal. Uh, looks like that'll wrap it up today. Super fans, super movie series is recorded and produced by Tribe Cop Productions. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes where you can catch a new episode every Monday. While you're there, drop a review, drop a rating. It means the world to us. And make sure to swing by Twitter. Uh, Twitter Tom is always excellent and always keeping things fresh there. Um, you can, <laughs> if you uh, check out our Twitter at Super Letter M Studies, Super M Studies, uh, you can find our picture of when we all wore a Batman shirt for this podcast, and it was most excellent. It was unplanned, though. It was unplanned. We all ended up wearing Batman shirts. It was fantastic. It, it came together very nicely, unlike this fucking movie. <laughs> um, also, the Twitter challenge this week is In Godot We Trust. Um, <laughs> piling on... Your dankest Wonder Woman memes. Yes, your dankest Wonder Woman memes. Hashtag In Godot We Trust. Godot, if you will. Dank that shit up. <laughs> Finally, tryupcop.com, which I am just... I'm falling apart at the seams with tripop.com. It is it is turning into a spam center. I'm so sorry for those of you involved. I know like I, I, I know for certain that Connor Cahill shows up on the website frequently from Flash. And <laughs> I'm just like Connor, go back to iTunes. I'm sorry. <laughs> and Twitter. 
but if you if you if you grace your presence on the website, you will know that you will get our episodes one week early than iTunes. Uh, the show notes are there. Drinking game rules are there. Uh, if you want to get involved, you can send us an email, supermoviestudies at triopcop.com. That is a, you want to tell me why Harley Quinn is important. That is what I want to hear. You want to give me a good eight-minute lecture about how fantastic Harley Quinn is as a model and idol for women of this day and age. I want to hear it. I want to be proven wrong about my opinion of Harley Quinn currently because I'm I'm very apprehensive about it. But at the same time, going I just don't get her appeal widespread. I just don't. So anyway, hey, you know if Warner Brothers can put out this this massacre of a film, we can do a work in progress website. It's okay. <laughs> Thank you, Skyler, for your trust in my ability. Uh, that'll do it today. I'm your host, Michael Maurer. James Houtsma Skyler. <laughs> and I, I can't I can't do I can't make a good one. Uh, ben Anderson. <laughs> I was trying to do like no. oh, I'm sorry, I should have said James Scooter Houtsma. Yes. Scooter with those scoots. Alright. Uh, <laughs> hope you all have a super week.